1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: The eighth of eight teams hiring a coach in this cycle have struck. The commanders have landed Dan Quinn to run their operation. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on The Fan. We are taking you to 6.30 this evening, reminding you to kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit camlawyers.com, mention GD, score yourself a discount. That's camlawyers.com. When Darius told me our next guest was coming on the show today, I was both stunned and thrilled because this is, you know, in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds. There's a car that you can't steal. It's the Eleanor. It's called the Eleanor. This is one of my Eleanor guests. Emailed him many times. There was the weird ESPN, you know, non-ESPN thing for a long time. I think I could have booked Obama before he booked this guy. He is one of my favorite NFL analysts, writers, experts. Very insightful. Bill Barnwell of ESPN is with us right now on the BetQL <laughs> guest hotline. Bill, thank you for the time. It's Grant and Danny. How's it going?
3: Hey, guys, I will say, if President Obama does call in, I'm okay with you hanging
1: up and taking that call instead. We will
2: not. I've been waiting too long to talk with to you. Mr. President,
1: do you have an opening at 6, yeah. 6.15? We got Bill on. We're <laughs> breaking down some ball.
2: Uh, what do you think of the Dan Quinn hire for Washington?
3: Oof, I, I, I think I'm more positive than other people, but also still not as positive as I would have hoped. I mean, this is a guy who I, I do think is genuinely improved a guy who you know the end was not pretty in atlanta they had become very one-dimensional in defense they didn't seem to have many fresh ideas dan quinn's defense in dallas was different it was multiple they played more man coverage it looked more modern Um, he took over a defense that was abysmal and granted they drafted michael parsons which goes a long way into improving a defense but he got a lot out of the pieces they had there but I look at the other options that were available available in terms of defensive minded coaches, people who had built programs, guys who are going to be, you know, taking over a franchise that, that you know, is restarting in so many ways this offseason. And I just look at Mike Vrabel and I look at Bill Belichick and I think, is Dan Quinn really better at this than either of those guys? And it's tough for me to say that the answer to that is yes.
1: So, Bill, what's the best case for here? Well, I, I think you're hoping
3: that you nail the offensive coordinator hire, if, if it's going to be RP enemy, if it's going to be somebody else, which uh, certainly, you know, he hired Kyle Shanahan to be his OC in Atlanta. That worked out pretty well in year two. Uh, but I think you're hoping for him to establish a culture. I mean, Dan Quinn has been a guy who in Atlanta, in Seattle, uh, and then of course, most recently with the Cowboys, loved by his players, felt like, you know, they they, they bought into what he was building In each of those places, and I think that's the positive. I I think you're you're hoping that the defense takes a step forward, and I think you're hoping that, um, you know, you have a guy who has learned. I mean, uh, the guys I mentioned, of course, have been head coaches elsewhere, but you know, compared to a Ben Johnson, compared to an Aaron Glenn, you know, those guys have not been head coaches before. Dan Quinn has, and he made mistakes. They were too confident in their in what they had done at times. I think they were. You know, that they, they made it to a Super Bowl. I think they were not expecting to that year, and I think they really, you know, sort of bought into, okay, these are the guys who are going to be getting to the Super Bowl for the next three or four years, and that roster was not as talented as maybe they believe. So I think, you know, he's going to be a little more thoughtful, hopefully. But I think you're hoping for a guy who, you know, combines modern, advanced defense with also some, you know, some experience building a culture and building an identity.
2: Bill Barnwell of ESPN. Bill, one of the reasons, this is turning into like the Chris Farley bit, you know, where he just, like, remember that movie? Do you where he, remember? You remember that, the one scene that was awesome? But one of the reasons you're you're my guy to read and to listen to, and then I think you're one of the best breaking down football, is you do these big picture things, like a how we got here, where it's roster construction or, you know, a lot of those kind of uh, autopsy type things. And one of the things that I studied early in this process was what works and what doesn't in hiring coaches. And the data mm-hmm. for me is the data. It's very clear. Offensive minded play calling head coaches in this era have dominated non versions of that. There are exceptions Mm -hmm. to the rule. It goes without saying. John Harbaugh, special teams coordinator in Baltimore. You've got longest tenured guys like Tomlin uh, in Pittsburgh, McDermott now Mm -hmm. in Buffalo, although he almost got fired this year. But of Mm -hmm. the, you know, there's eight defensive minded head coaches. If you count uh, the half season for Pierce last year, those guys combined to go 72 and 73. The last six of them that were hired, I have gone to combine 62 and 83. Like I hated this process because they interviewed two offensive guys out of the building. There were six mm-hmm. defensive guys and they landed on a defensive retread that feels like Ron Rivera again. Tell me why I'm wrong.
3: I'm not saying you're wrong. I think we have to wait and see, but I, you're certainly making a fair case. The only thing I would say is naturally there's like a, there's an inflection point, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, if you can hire the best defensive coach available or the seventh best offensive coach available, I'm not saying that was the case this offseason, but let's say that was an example, you'd probably rather have the defensive coach. I mean, you look at Tamika Lyons this year in Houston as a guy who, you know, wasn't a retread first time coach, but a guy who was certainly a defensive minded coach, did not have a ton of experience, and came in. And obviously, that franchise looks like they're in great shape now in terms of what CJ Stroud and, and the Texans did this offseason. So there should be. A point where it flips back, and you do want the defensive coach. But I think the other problem here is that it's not like they hired the top ranked defensive coach. They were hiring, you know, I went let the fourth, fifth defensive coach from this cycle. Um, so I, I think that makes it tougher for me is the idea that you aren't getting your pick of the defensive coaches. And I think whenever you're the eighth team to hire a coach in an 18 cycle, I think there's naturally going to be questions about whether you landed your guy whether you landed your second choice guy your third choice guy and, and then i think on top of that of course dan quinn you know the last game we saw from dan quinn with the cowboys was not pretty
1: so bill here's here's where i'm feeling and again i feel like we're talking a lot about our feelings and less like analytical information he's just he's, <laughs> he's just a helping
2: us i understand yeah he's getting us through dan quinn day in dc this
1: is this is like your 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 therapy call um i could understand this right feel better about this if They'd been blown away in an interview three weeks ago when they first talked to him, scheduled the second one right away. And even though I would have said, hey, what about some of these other minds? What about interviewing other guys? If they just had their socks blown off and we can't quit this guy because he's amazing and we hired him on the spot before all seven other teams passed over him, interviewed him also and didn't care. Now it feels just like this is who's left well, we're going to take this person home from the bar tonight. It it just feels uninspired. It doesn't feel like they landed on the thing that they really wanted to, even if they did.
3: Yeah, I I can't argue with you. But the only thing I can say is we're terrible as a society at hiring NFL coaches. I mean, I remember last year, the guy we were saying, not you and I, but just in general, people were saying, man, what a great hire that turned out to be, was Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. And the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson because, sorry, the Jaguars were interested in hiring Nathaniel Hackett, and Doug Peterson was the guy they settled for after Nathaniel Hackett was hired by the Broncos because there was such a, uh, you know, a, a a group of people who wanted to hire Nathaniel Hackett in multiple places. And Nathaniel Hackett was maybe the worst head coach um, I've seen covering the NFL. That's not just Nathaniel Hackett, just the results or, or the results. So the only thing I would say is we're very bad at picking who's a good and the bad NFL head coach, and and I think. With Dan Quinn, I can't argue with the logic. I mean, they were interviewing Ben Johnson. They were interviewing Aaron Glenn. You know, it wasn't like they were, like you said, sitting here, and they, they met with Dan Quinn and said, okay, this is our dude. Um, maybe the process evolved. Maybe they're sitting here saying, okay, we're not going to make a bigger commitment. Maybe they're hiring him on a, a shorter-term deal, and they're going to see what happens. And in a year, they'll be back in the market. Who knows? But um, it's fair to say this is not the sort of – you know, like Adam when they hired Adam Peters, it was like, okay, this is the new – you know, the, the new path this franchise is being set upon. It felt like a monumental hire, a, a guy who was going to be, you know, the guy they really wanted to be in the building. It's certainly, I can see your point, tough to say that about Dan Quinn right now.
1: Bill, to your point, as you said, we're bad at this. We, we overreact in real time. I know I am uh, here in this moment, but of the eight coaches hired, who was your favorite? Who's the best fit?
3: That's a good question. I, I really like Jim Harbaugh. With, with, with the chargers where you're going out, you're getting a guy who took over a Niners franchise that was in shambles for a decade. And I mean, people don't remember now, but that year before that Harbaugh hire was Mike Singletary as head coach. They had the fans training. We want Derek Carr. You know, when when Alex Smith was struggling to start that season, a year later, Alex Smith is in the NFC championship game. I think he made a lot of those players better. Um, and then I love Mike McDaniel going to the Seahawks where you have a guy who again, look at what the Ravens did. All the guys they had this year like Arthur Marlette, Jadavian Clowney, Calvin Noy, guys who were on the street, you know, as, as early or, or as late in the year, as August or September, who were playing meaningful roles for the Ravens in the postseason. I think he made a lot of players better. And to me, that, that's the easiest mark of a good coach. If, if I see you either developing young players and having them improve dramatically or taking players who come join your organization and having them improve uh, based on where they were and what they were making elsewhere, I think that tells me you are a very good coach. We'll see what he does in terms of building a culture, in terms of you know managing the roster, all the other stuff that comes with being a head coach, but in terms of his ability to mold a defense and have them playing at a championship level. In a division, by the way, where you need a good defense, given how good the offenses are, I really like Mike McDonald going to the Seattle Seahawks.
2: Bill Barnwell of ESPN on Grant and Danny. Uh, Bill, uh, specific to Ben Johnson, before we turn the page and get to the Super Bowl matchup with you is he at risk of not being the bell of the ball at some point? I mean, he is now last year was not quite to the extent of this year. But last year he pulled his name with a couple of teams still interviewing him. This year he, you know, I don't want to say he went full Josh McDaniels, but the Commanders <laughs> were on the plane on their way to Detroit when they found out that their favorite that they were expecting to hire was going back to Detroit. At what point does that start to hurt his stock a little bit?
3: Well, depends on how he, how he does in Detroit, right? Like, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels was fired after a year and a half left the Colts at the altar and then still got hired as the Raiders head coach because an owner thought he could be a difference maker for that organization. Um, If he continues to coach at a high level, if the Lions continue to impress, he will still get interviews. People will not knock him if they struggle. The chance could come and go. I mean, if you go back and look at any head coaching, you know, uh, any list of possible head coaches from a decade ago, you're going to see guys who became head coaches. You're going to see guys who got opportunities. You're going to see a few guys who got five or six interviews and never got one. Someone like Brian Schottenheimer is a good example, where he was a hot coordinator at one point. And then, you know, his time kind of came and went. He struggled a bit. Now he ended up having a career as a coach, which is great, but he never got that that head opportunity that I think a lot of people expected him to get at one point. So. You know, to me, um, as long as Ben Johnson is still doing a good job in Detroit, it's not going to be an issue. But if he struggles, absolutely. It could be a point where we're sitting here two or three years from now saying, hey, maybe he should have taken the opportunity while he had the chance.
1: Bill, I almost forgot there's like the Super Bowl thing coming up pretty soon. That's a pretty big <laughs> game, I suppose. Um, San Francisco, to me, has all the ingredients. They've, they've sort of gotten by the last couple of weeks, but still they just look like the better team on paper. But then I keep doing this thing to myself where I go, yeah, but Mahomes. I don't know which way I'm leaning at, at this stage. What's your analysis tell you? So last
3: time these two teams played, I was like the Niners have a better defensive line. They're going to get a rush on the You know, they're, they're, they're a better defense. They're a comparable offense. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo's not as good as Patrick Mahomes, but they have advantages so many other places on the roster. And for three quarters, guys, I felt so smart. I was like, man, I nailed this one. I'm such a good analyst. And then in the fourth quarter, Mahomes happened, and I felt like an idiot. And I felt like, oh, I spent the entire week picking the Niners when the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and the Niners have a quarterback Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust to win a two-minute drill. So as I sit here, I'm I'm thinking, okay, like the Niners have to be a significantly better team. Even though Mahomes is not the quarterback he was a few years ago, just in terms of the pieces around him, I think he's a different kind of quarterback. No, worse, different than the guy he was the offense they were running a few years ago but he's been so efficient this postseason and i think he you know you just trust him to make the plays when he needs to make the plays and so to me i think there's no chance he implodes uh during the super bowl but there is a chance brock purdy implodes there is a chance he has a game like the one he had against the ravens where he throws four interceptions they get behind early and even though they've managed to come back into the last two games they don't come back for a third time so I feel like I don't want to have to watch that game and root for the the Niners for for, for, three and a half hours, so I'm leaning Chiefs so far.
2: Bill, thank you very much for the time. It was great having you on the show. We appreciate it, and uh, we will catch up down the road.
3: Anytime, guys. Thanks, Bill. Bill
2: Barnwell, check him out. ESPN does a great job breaking the NFL down, not only as one of their national writers, see him on NFL Live and all their NFL programming. Uh, There was a report from Aaron Wilson who covers the National Football League uh, in Houston for the Chronicle, I believe, that the Cowboys are going to be losing passing game coordinator Joe Witt Jr., who is expected to join Dan Quinn here in D.C. as his defensive coordinator. So we'll tell you about Joe Witt Jr. Again, this is just a report. We will work to corroborate this here in the next few minutes, but we'll tell you about who's expected to be the defensive coordinator. Frankly, you know, not unlike McVay running the offense, right. whoever's under him is his helper, so to speak, you know, organizing things. It's not to say it's an insignificant hire, but the D.C., while important, is not going to be nearly as important as the offensive coordinator. My guess is, because he can't interview anybody from San Francisco until after the Super Bowl, that hire is going to wait you know, a few days and probably not be imminent. But the report from Aaron Wilson is Joe Witt Jr. of the Cowboys going to join Dan Quinn, leaving as a pass game coordinator. Could be in the running for the
1: defensive coordinator job. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. Grant
2: and Danny on the fan. Welcome back, and thank you for making the show part of your day. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders just as you all had in the office pool coming into this process, actually started to look like it could go that way a handful of days ago. Yeah. Really, before we knew Ben Johnson was going to say no to them, it seemed like they had an indication that things with Ben Johnson were starting to maybe unravel. And that's when you started to hear a lot more, Dan Quinn's a serious candidate, you know. Dan Quinn, they really like him. I'm I'm serious this time. They might
1: might do it. To your point, there were clues to this puzzle that we didn't understand at the time. Right, It's like one of those movies that's really creative where they were laying the breadcrumbs and then only at the end does it all kind of make sense when you put it in picture. So when the first time that, you, you know, Schefter's on a podcast or is on the McAfee show going like, they need to take seriously the idea that it might actually not be Ben Johnson. It could be anybody else. One of those two guys, it's not going to be talking about, you know, McDonald of Seattle or, or Dan Quinn to Seattle and uh, Ben Johnson of Washington. And everybody's kind of go, whoa, 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 because that's not what we heard. Slowly but surely, those seeds were planted, and now McDonald of Seattle seemed further along now in retrospect than maybe we thought at the time. Uh, you know, Ben Johnson bowing out altogether didn't seem on the on the table as of Monday, but yet here we are. Now all those puzzle pieces are fitting, and it seems like they kind of went, "Oh crap, this is who it's going to be."
2: I've been trying to work back and forth between two perspectives today as best I can. One that this is not as bad as it feels in the moment. For those of us that were hoping for the you know, offensive coach to be paired with the number two overall pick quarterback, because you are getting a really bright defensive mind. You are getting a very respected leader. You are getting a guy that's going to be a good partner with Adam Peters. Those are important things. Mm-hmm. You're getting a, a head coach who's not going to try to be GM, which was obviously important to them yep. in this process. Everybody in the league loves him. That that's not a bad thing. He can help recruit, recruit staff. It he can help recruit players. You're getting a guy that I think can put together a really good staff. Like these are all very strong things that are good about Dan Quinn. And as I said earlier, Danny, as Adam Peters and the Marty Party and you know all of the Commanders brass that's down in Mobile right now walks around and goes to the bars and and goes and eats at the Brick Pit and all the things you do when you go to the Senior Bowl. People are coming up to them, high five and telling them, "You got Dan, good for you. He's the best. You're gonna love him. He's the man." Mm-hmm. DQ, Dano, ask him about the time we went to the Dairy Queen over on Fourth Street in mm-hmm. Indianapolis before the combine. Everybody loves the guy, so that's all good. But I have been making the case of the idea of offense, so I, I wanted I laid this out via Twitter today to just go through some numbers real quick. Uh, we have not done this on the show, but I, I tweeted this out. If you want to go check out, check it out. It's at Grant H. Paulson. I pinned this. Because I've had plenty of people over the last several weeks, we talked about this, like, why are you so obsessed with offense? And so this is the trend that they're trying to buck. I'm not telling you defensive coaches can't win, but they're trying to go against type right now, so to speak. The Super Bowl this year, Danny, will be played between two offensive-minded head coaches for the fifth straight year. Non-Belichick, it's been eight years since a non-offensive head coach got to the Super Bowl. Eight years. Eight years. That's not nothing, right? Nope. I mean, a defensive-oriented head coach has not been to a Super Bowl with his team in eight seasons, other than the greatest of all time with Tom Brady sneaking in at the back end of their window. Uh, In the NFC, so Washington's trying to win that conference, pretty relevant conference. The NFC title game has been competed by offensive head coaches in six straight years, 12 straight coaches, 13 of the last 14 coaches, and the only one that was defensive that got in, Mike Zimmer with Case Keenum at quarterback with the Vikings, they got in, remember, on that crazy Hail Mary to Stevon Diggs where there was a breakdown in the secondary. Otherwise, it would be seven straight years and 14 for 14. But instead, it's just 13 out of 14 coaches, NFC title game, offensive-minded. So my point is the proof's kind of in the pudding. Then I look at offense being more important than defense. Do you disagree with any of this? No. From 2002 to 2022, 20 years, 53% of the coaches in the league were offensive, yet 61% of the top five offenses were among you know, offensive coached teams, meaning if, if it's just equal, they should have 53% of them. Instead, they had 61%. So you were more likely to have a good offense if you had an offensive coach. Offense is more important. I care about that. Weirdly, you were also more likely to have a good defense if you had an offensive coach. This is over 20 years, from 02 to 22 Again...
1: Yeah, that's the crazy number that jumped
2: out at me from Neil Greenberg's
1: piece uh, a few weeks ago. this is from the
2: post of Neil Greenberg. Mm -hmm. 53% of offensive-minded head coaches, 53%, that's what they were in the league, and yet 55% of the top five defenses came from offensive. Meaning, again, more than should have been just based on the number in the league. More than their fair share, is I think how Neil wrote it. Uh, Back to some of the things that that kind of my theories. Uh, Even when you hit on a defensive coach, we've talked about the offensive guy leaving. So, if you have an elite defensive mind, he's doing a great job. Vrabel, what happens then? Well, when LaFleur leaves, you got to go find someone. When Arthur Smith leaves, you got to go find someone. 13 and 21 and fired since he lost his offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Dan Quinn in Atlanta goes from the Super Bowl to 24 and 29 after Kyle left. His last three years, he was 7 and 9, 7 and 9, 0 and 5. Right now, D'Amico Ryans, after one year, last place schedule, surprising everybody, looked awesome. And I love D'Amico. I think he crushed it. I think he's a great coach. I'm happy for him. But I want to know what happens when Sloic You leaves. probably got so,
1: one more year of, of Slowick, you'd think. Then what? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there were eight coaches in the league this year that are defensive-minded, nine if you count Antonio Pierce when he took over for a half season. Those coaches combined went 72-73 and 73 this season. If you were a team with a defensive-minded head coach this year, you were 72 and 73 combined. None made the final four. Of the last six defensive coaches that have been hired to be head coaches, their career records are 62 and 83. And that counts 10 and 7 D'Amico Ryan's this past season. Danny, 62 and 83? Mm-hmm. There are two success stories that kind of punch a hole in the theory. As I said, there's always going to be exceptions. It's not impossible. One is Mike Tomlin, who's 173 and 100 in his career, the other is Sean McDermott who is 73 and 73-41. Tomlin has not won a playoff game. Pittsburgh has not won a playoff game in seven years, mostly because their offense stinks. That's right. He's got a great defense. He's a great coach. They get to the playoffs just about every single year. They never lose. No losing records. But they can't win. Why? Because they don't have an offense. McDermott, similarly, defensive-minded head coach, was on the hot seat, almost got fired this year. They kept McDermott. Actually like McDermott. They have won nothing meaningful with Josh Allen. Peak of his powers, Apex quarterback, you know, one of these great MVP types every year, sent from another planet. They've had this, what is it, three or four year window? Yeah. They haven't even been to a Super Bowl. Now you could just chalk that up to Mahomes is good. But my point is, I got some questions there, right? I mean, those, but those are the two success stories, so to speak. So I guess my, my summation is I'm not telling you Quinn can't win. I'm not saying defensive coaches can't. What I am saying is, you always try to give yourself the best chance. Mm-hmm. And this hiring cycle, their idea was to not do that. When you pick Dan Quinn, you have elected not to take the best opportunity or, or what has worked the most over the years. That's where I'm at. That's kind of me resting my case. I'm moving on. I hope they're right, and I hope we all get to eat blizzards together after a Super Bowl.
1: And and those are numbers right there. And I think that's the most important part of it is if you're like me, who's nowhere near as hard line as you on this, I go – Yep, those numbers certainly paint a picture. You 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 could pretend they don't exist, willfully put your fingers in your ears and yell la, 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 but those are significant things. So to me, I don't want to say it's arbitrary because it's not, but it's, it's instructive. I broaden my search. Like, I would trade places with the Buffalo Bills like that. I know they haven't yet, but to me it's a yet instead of can't. Right. Yes, you've run into a buzzsaw. I a totally few times. agree. And, I, I think right. they
2: can win a Super Bowl. I, I
1: do too. And, and I but, think if
2: Josh, if they, if you pick Josh Allen at two, Danny, mm-hmm. so can Washington with Dan Quinn. Right. That's kind of my point. They got Josh Allen, so he breaks the rules.
1: And so my my thesis is, if all things are equal in a vacuum, I would prefer offensive mind because of ease of logistics and things to anything else. But I sort of I sort of broaden it to not offense or defense, but anybody that's not the archetype, that's not the young offensive mind with a flat top that looks like Sean McVay. I'll take Jim Harbaugh out of that group. I'll take a guy that was, or, or no, excuse me, I meant John, that's plucked out of relative anonymity, that turns into a long-standing, uh, just bullish head coach that always has his teams competitive. I mean, look at this year, for example. Todd Bowles took a mediocre Tampa Bay team to be within one score of Detroit to go to the to go to the conference championship game. Now, there's a lot of inconsistency in Todd Bowles' career. Eleven wins with with the Jets years ago, then a bunch of bad, presumably because you're, you're losing your Dave is every year that you're successful. But there is a way to do that. It just requires you to be exceptionally thoughtful, forward-thinking, have a near-never-ending pipeline of offensive talent, especially if you don't have your own Justin Herbert already. Especially if you don't have the guy that's going to be your linchpin, that against all comers, see the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. This, This year for the Chiefs, by the way, it's not about an offense that you cannot stop for 60 minutes. You might get him for a possession, but Tyreek Hill's going to hit one. Travis Kelsey's going to break your back on a third down. Mahomes is going to pull a play out of his tukas and they're winning the Super Bowl because their offense is a juggernaut. Even with this offensive genius that is Andy Reid and a guy that's on his way to being the best quarterback ever in Mahomes, they're a defensive team that likes to hand it off to Pacheco and have Pat Mahomes as kind of the magic man to make a play late in the game different iterations, but the point is, they got that bulletproof superhero monster that's the, the equalizer for them. Yeah, if if you, you don't have that, I'm sorry to cut you off, but if you don't have that yet, and you're basically saying, we can do it, but we just have to be aware this is a hilly road that sometimes gets hit with avalanches and, and uh, boulders fall down. It is a perilous road as it is, and we're opting for a harder one. We need to have eyes open there. If you don't...
2: Have the the superhero quarter the superhero quarterback I think can break the rules. You could hire a lot. You could hire Mickey Thompson from Stonebridge High School if you wanted to. If you got Patrick Mahomes, probably. Like there are exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. Again, there's just a thing that's worked a lot lately and a thing that hasn't. They're going with the thing that hasn't, and you got to cross your fingers. Here's what we should do next. We're gonna open up the phones. 800-636-1067 is the number. 800-636-1067. You could tweet us at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny. How do you think this is going to go? And what do you think is going to determine how this goes? How will this work and what's going to determine if Dan Quinn in Washington, D.C. is a success? 800-636-1067 is the number. First time today, couple of lines open next on g
1: d
4: the brand of football that we're gonna play is gonna be fast and physical. Uh, We're gonna attack in every phase that we can do it. And then most importantly, uh, I would like you to know that uh, the energy and the enthusiasm you bring to the Atlanta Falcons uh, can be unmatched in terms of the energy I'll try to bring to you as your head football coach. Uh, It's an unbelievable opportunity, one I couldn't be uh, more proud to be here and be here with you today. All sorts of challenges ahead, lots of hard work to do, uh, but I can't wait to get started with all of you. That
2: was the introductory press conference of Dan Quinn in Atlanta. There's another one of those coming up here in the nation's capital. Round two. The Commanders have a brand new head coach. Former Falcons head man Dan Quinn is coached in a Super Bowl, was in Atlanta for six seasons. More recently, he was the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. And Washington, ideally going to be stronger. The Cowboys are certainly getting weaker. No Dan Quinn and the report out of The Houston Chronicle is that Joe Witt Jr., who's the defensive backs and pass game coordinator for the Cowboys in their secondary, is going to be taken from that staff to be the defensive coordinator here in D.C. under Dan Quinn. Those are two of their top defensive coaches for a defense-dominant operation the last couple years. I do not hate hearing that the Cowboys are going to be scrambling here to fix their staff.
1: Absolutely. Let them uh, scramble here at the 11th hour, right? Like, if he was coming back, you wouldn't have to worry about this stuff. Make it harder for them as everyone else has been picked over. So I'm all in favor of that.
2: I think that the offensive staff is going to decide his fate here, coordinator and beyond, whether or not this works. Also, the number two pick at quarterback, if that's what it is. If you pick Drake May, if Drake May is excellent, we're going to feel really good about Dan Quinn over the next few years. Mm-hmm. If Drake May is bad, they're going to have their work cut out for him. And like any coach with a quarterback situation that's not good, see Ron Rivera, you're going to be in trouble. Anything else you would add to that as we ask people what's going to determine his fate, what are your expectations?
1: Yeah, to me, the, the next order of business from Peters, right, from from the GM, it's it's scouts on the same page. It's developing uh, people in your front office. It's developing coaches. It's finding, finding talent. It's not just on the field but off the field as well to fully support the organization. Right, That kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes. It's not sexy. It doesn't make headlines all that often. But the good organizations, think Baltimore, think San Francisco, constantly having to replenish their ranks. And they do so, and they never fall off. All
2: right, let's get to the phones. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 800-636-1067. Let's go to Matt, who's in D.C., on Grant and Danny. Matt, how do you feel?
4: Yeah, Grant, Danny, I feel good. Uh, Dan Quinn, I think, has got an excellent chance to be a competent Coach, get us back on solid footing as an organization. He is not the shiny, sexy uh, hire that yeah we were sort of hoping for, or, you know, I, I certainly was interested in maybe getting. Uh, but I did read an article saying that it looked like we were going to win the offseason, and with Dan Quinn, we didn't. And frankly, I've won enough offseason <laughs> in the last however many years that that's fine by me. I do want to push back on one thing about the offensive defensive thing, uh, Grant. And, you know, Andy, Andy Reid is obviously an offensive genius, one of the great one of the greats ever in the NFL. Yeah. But this, this Chiefs team is a defensive-oriented team, not dissimilar to when Peyton Manning won it with the Broncos. I mean, it's Peyton Manning. He's got Demarius Thomas and, and all these great offensive weapons. But that team won with defense and ball control. Sure. Uh, no, no. My, my
2: argument, it, Matt, I'm not cutting you off. I'll, I'll let you rebut this. But my argument is not that, Offensive teams constantly win, although that is typically the trend as well over a much larger
1: sample. Yeah, look at the conference finals. Chiefs it's are the, an good offensive offenses. organization.
2: Yeah. They happen this year to, to have had a really good defense. My point is offensive-minded head coach. It's it's an entire kind of way to go about the, using your assets, using your funds, using your draft picks. And yeah, occasionally, I, as I said in, in that rant, offensive-minded head coaches have better defenses over a 20-year study that... that Believe it or not, when you have an offensive-minded head coach, your defense is in the top five more often. So, you know, that doesn't really go against what I'm saying.
4: You did say, like, Mahomes, you know, uh, now the teams, like, yeah, I think a couple years ago in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, that was a, you know, they put a defensive beat down on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But I am mentioning, I guess, the quarterbacks I'm bringing out are Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and, Patrick Mahomes. I know yeah, right. If you, you got one It'd of be those nice. guys,
2: you you could probably have a good defense. But also like I don't I'm not looking at an individual game did their defense play great. I'm not concerned with is their defense awesome or not this season. The Chiefs defense is good. Their head coach is Andy Reid. He is the offensive play caller. He spends 70 hours a, a day putting his offensive plan together. The coaches in this league that have the most success are offensive minded. That that's the point of, of what I was talking about. Let's go to Sean in Woodbridge. Hello, Sean. How are you? G and D. What's going on, fellas? Hey, buddy.
5: Okay, I'm gonna make this straight, man. I'm pretty cool with it. And reason being is because this man sounds like somebody who's on a redemption kick. This dude is this dude is here for redemption. He's not he's not here just to make some money or or you know situation together with being head coach again. This is about redemption. This dude is is a Stuff right about now. Now I want you guys to think about something. Now he might have found his defensive coordinator, but I'm telling y'all, uh, the enemy's coming back. The enemy's coming back. He got a year left on his contract, Sean. I, I, I want to bet
2: you a way. dollar on that. You want to bet a dollar? I'm telling
5: you, the enemy, the enemy's coming back. Let's you, bet a dollar. That because I think the enemy wasn't, well, the enemy wasn't coming nowhere. If they would have got the other dudes, they would have got, you know, they'd have got him out of there. I think it's something to this. I can't put my finger on it. I think something is to this, because he got a year left in his contract. He does. Uh, I appreciate you, but Ron
2: Rivera did, too. how that <laughs> work out for coach? Uh, it doesn't sound like he wants to take up my dollar bet.
1: I Maybe maybe it's I'm too close to it. I can't see it, but who knows after, after a process, right? Maybe that's something that was floated. Can you imagine,
2: after hiring Dan Quinn, if they then come out and announce, when we're all saying, the most important thing is the OC hire. Who are you entrusting this number two pick to? Like the the way that you can really couch the Dan Quinn hire is with the next one. When you announce Clint Kubiak or Chip Kelly or and I think that's more the splash podium one than mm-hmm. you know, the substance, but you know, Kubiak or Greasy or whatever, that's gonna grease the skids. If you say the guy that was here last year when the receivers couldn't get open, Terry McLaurin, your best player at his worst year, Dotson giant regression. Yeah. John Dotson fell off and the quarterback had a terrible season, and everyone said the offensive line was terrible and didn't get better. We're gonna we're gonna give the number two pick to him. I'm gonna go ahead and bet against that.
1: It wouldn't feel great.
2: Eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. If you want to hop in on Grant and Danny, Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. I want to compare the hires in the other seven markets. See where we would slot this in in terms of maybe safest or or most likely to you know last his contract as well as ceilings. Who's the most likely to to win big? We're G and D.